Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. If you stand with me, we want to go into our second session here of Deeper, and I want to talk about Deeper Faith today. Deeper Faith today. Everyone say Deeper Faith. I think this is pivotal, and I think this is God-given, because some of you are going to be going through some things this week where you're going to need to put your faith in God. And you're going to need to extend yourself and believe that he's working all things together for good. Amen? Amen. So I want to call this deeper faith, and I would give it another title, Use It or Lose It. (laughs) Faith is like a muscle. The more you use it, the more you build it. And so we need to do some faith building today. Amen? And I'm not going to be long because I am aware of the time. I'm aware of how long we went in the worship service. So I'm going to do my best to give you the word God gave me in the short amount of time that we have. Amen. Ephesians 3, verse 16. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16. I want to deal with this one verse really heavily, and that is verse 17, but we'll begin reading at verse 16. If you're there, say amen. All right. Thank you for that. Verse 16 of chapter 3 of Ephesians, that he would grant you According to the riches of his glory. I would say riches of his glory. It's really important to know how rich our God is. To be strengthened. Everyone say strengthened. With might. That's important. We need strength. Amen. By what? By his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. Everyone say comprehend. That's understand with all saints what is the breadth or the width, what is the length, what is the depth and height. We read verse 19, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God preach just a little while on deeper faith. Jesus, I pray you send us to a place that instructs us, that gives us the ability to walk in faith this week. And would you help us to stay in that faith, I pray. Would you help us just to take a reservation out and check in to Faith Hotel this week and just stay there all week, I pray in Jesus' name. Someone said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Bless the Lord. Faith comes from a Middle English word, feith, which is passed down through the French and then the Latin word, fidium. It's actually more used in Latin for the word trust, which is interesting that we have the word faith and trust in the English language, but in their language they use fidir, which means to trust. And we've gotten our word through all of those different languages. Uh, The English language is obviously a mutt. (laughs) It is the mixture of so many different cultures and languages. But the Bible definition of faith is very specific. It gives us Hebrews 11.1, a definition. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. But if you just look at the word faith, you don't realize that it put the word now in front of there for a reason. That faith for right now, faith for the present is this, 
It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When I begin to talk to somebody about where their life is at and how they're doing, if I hear them speak to me about, I just don't know if I, if I can hope for anything anymore. I, I realize that I shouldn't be talking to them about their faith because faith is built on hope. Amen? And if you have no hope, there's nothing for faith to work with. So therefore, if someone says, I, I just, I'm not hoping for anything, I'm not getting my hopes up, then I realize that I need to speak to them about the hope of Christ Jesus, the hope in the Lord and, and hoping in the things of God. And, and then if I understand that they have hope, they have their hopes and their dreams and they desire things and they're looking forward to the future and, and what's coming up and they have goals and aspirations, then I realize, hey, there's something there to work with, amen? I can, I can work off of the hope that they have and introduce them to a faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's good. And so Webster gives us the definition that faith is a well-grounded assurance of that which is of that that which we hope for that which we hope and a conviction of the reality of things which we do see. So another translation of scripture says now faith is a well-grounded assurance of that which we hope, and a conviction of the reality of things which we do see. Hebrews 11.6 actually extends it further, and it says, but without faith it is impossible to please him, referring to God. How many know there's no impossibilities with God? There's only an impossibility with us. And it really stems from the fact of do we have faith or do we not have faith? Faith is the one thing that's an impossibility between our relationship with God and us. If we don't have faith, we cannot begin a walk with God. Amen? Amen. For he cometh, the scripture says, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Amen. That's the first thing you have to do. You have to believe that he is God. He is all powerful. He's all magnificent. He's magnificent. He's awesome in every way. And that's a problem in the church is we're losing awe in God. And, and people are so interested in, and so, so, so driven by the, the new video game that comes out. Oh man, this game is so awesome. You know, they're just, they're awed by so many different things, but they're not awed by God anymore. I wish we could get back to a stage where we really find God as being all that we put our faith in him to be and that we really sense an awesomeness to God and that, that we're willing to really shut down the service like we did today and not worry about me getting through an entire message because this isn't as important as you being touched by the anointing and the awe-empowering presence of God. It's really important that we understand that. So he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I, I'm grateful that God's a rewarder, amen? Because sometimes it feels like you put your faith in God and you send prayers out and, and maybe you don't see them come back. But if you realize that he is God, he's all able, he's well able, amen, then you know that sooner or later he's going to reward your faith, amen, either in this life or the life to come. So you must believe that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That section of scripture right there shuts down your complaining. <laughs> Yeah, well, we won't go there, I suppose. He, he's pleased by our faith, and he rewards us according to it. So you see, faith in God is the starting point of relationship with him. It's really the beginning of the relationship. It's where you, you put your faith that God is able to save you. Amen? God is well able to take you to a place of salvation. But you have to understand that faith was there before. In the Garden of Eden... Our faith and trust was in God. So the reason why faith is so important in Scripture is because it's the key that opens the door to salvation. Amen? 
So when you begin to believe God for salvation, you have to understand that in the Roman culture and in all these other cultures that Paul is speaking to, when he says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he's actually saying don't believe on Zeus and don't believe on these other gods. Believe on Jesus Christ. You don't need to have multiple gods. You only need to have one God who is Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So what he's telling them is, is faith is the access point to your salvation. You need to understand that whenever they were in the Garden of Eden, that Adam and Eve fell and by Adam all all men have sinned, amen? It's passed down through the generations that were born in sin and iniquity. We understand that. And Adam and Eve were standing there in a perfect creation on a perfect day with a perfect God, amen? amen. Which tells us that no matter how perfect it gets, you can still be unhappy. So don't, don't ever go through the, 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 the mental exercise of thinking, if I only had this or, or if I only had that. It's not like that because they were in a perfect place and still were not happy. So what happens is the enemy comes and he comes to her. And in Genesis 3 and 116, we see the words, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? I guess that's how the devil talks. Did God actually say? The tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it. You always overcompensate for a lack of faith. She, God did not say you cannot touch it. He said you cannot eat it. So she's overcompensating, lest you die. For God knows that when you eat of it, it, well, God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, she lusted after it, and it was a delight to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and there and that the tree was a desire to make one wise. She took of the fruit and ate it, and she also gave it to her husband who was with her. Amen. He was standing right there. Don't ever let God let people blame all the women for the fall. Amen. He was standing right there. That chump didn't say nothing, okay? He didn't say a single word. He should have stepped up like a man and said, don't eat that. God said, no, we're not going to do this. As for me and my house, we will eat all other fruit. You know, but not that fruit. We're not going to do it. But he was just as at fault as she was because he stood there and witnessed what was going on. Amen? So I have to tell you, number one, my first point is faith pleases God. Amen. Number one, faith pleases God. God is pleased when we choose to restore our faith in him because that is what was lost. The initial break was that our trust in God. So the serpent comes and he challenges her faith in God, challenges her faith to believe that God has the best for her. And what she realizes is that maybe God's leaving her out. That's the age-old lie. The devil only has a few bags of tricks, Brother Maurice. And every once in a while, he'll throw that same lie at somebody. The devil throws the same lie over, he just packages it different ways, okay? So he'll throw at you every once in a while, you're being left out of stuff. You're not being, you don't have things that other people have, and, and you're not being given what other people have. God must really not love you as much, because look at what all they have that you don't have. He'll do that all the time, because that's an initial lie that he used to break down faith in God, okay? So we have to understand that faith was broken. Everyone say faith was broken. So God had to repair our faith in him first. 
So faith is the access point. Do you understand what I'm saying? So now I've taken you to the backstory, amen? So faith was broken down, so faith has to be the initial access point. We have to truly have faith to believe in God, or else we won't believe that his sacrifice was worth everything that he says it is. We won't believe that God is able to shed blood that can cleanse us, amen? We won't believe that his bap- the baptism truly is something that washes away all of our sins, amen? We have to have faith. So the Bible says that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Believe is a very key component. Before you even get in the tank, before you ever get baptized, if you don't understand that you're believing that the name of Jesus Christ is washing away your sins, you have to know that you're just getting wet if you don't believe that. You're simply not understanding that the name of Jesus Christ is the key ingredient to washing away the sins that are in your life. Amen? So the Bible says that we are to be baptized in the name of Jesus. That is the whole reason. So when we get someone in the baptismal water, doesn't matter if it's running or not. It just matters that they get in the water and we use the name of Jesus, which is the detergent factor, and it takes away all the sins. They are washed clean, for it is we are baptized for the remission of sins. Hallelujah. So God fixed a point where faith was broken, and he fixed it. But how many know when you break something, it makes a mess? Amen. So sometimes what we do, when I was a kid, we would break stuff all the time. We couldn't figure out why my mother knew what we broke because we would try to glue it back together or fix it and make it look like it wasn't broken. But what we didn't realize, what there, was, there was always a mess left somewhere on the floor that we forgot to sweep up or clean up. And moms are really good and intuitive about figuring out what's been broken in the house. And so we often would try to fix things even with super glue and make sure that it looked the same way as it was before it was broken. But we didn't realize that mom would look for the mess because she knew that something happened there because there wouldn't be dirt on the floor from the potted plant in the corner where we thought we got it all, but we really weren't good at cleaning. But she saw where the mess was, and that's what happened with us. We had faith in God, walked with him in the cool of the day, Adam and Eve. And so therefore, when God asks us to to find access to him by faith, we have to realize that that is what is needing to be fixed, is our trust in God. Amen? So that is the fixed point. So God fixes us through the ability for us to have faith in his word and, and faith and understanding in what he did for us. But there's still a mess to clean up, amen? So there needs to be the washing away of the mess and the stain that was left from the broken thing that fell in our life. God props up the faith. God says you must have faith to please me. But then he comes in with Jesus Christ because he knows that the man must die on the cross cross for sin to be remitted. Amen? Amen. So we realize that we might have cleaned up the best we could and we might have taken some things out of our life and we might have believed God. But the thing is, is we need to cleanse our life according to what God says cleans the mess. That's why he's called the Messiah. (laughs) I look at Kristen because she's like, oh dear Lord, did he really just say that? (laughs) that's why we're made into a message because our trials truly become testimonies that's cliche but we have to understand that something was broken and so when God says without faith it is impossible to please me he's saying you had the moral choice to break faith now you must make a moral choice to restore faith and he's given us faith 
So it's a gift from God. He's measured to all men, the measure of faith. So he knew how much faith you'd need in your life. Because if you didn't have enough faith, they're getting really wild over there, rowdy and wild. He measures to us according to the struggles and the difficulties he knows in life. So sometimes when we're going through very difficult things, you just need to remind yourself, I have faith for this. God would have measured to me the amount of faith that I need to go through this struggle. Because he gives all to all men the measure of faith. Your faith may be bigger than mine. My faith may be bigger than yours. You may have built your faith, because I talked about use it or lose it. You may have built your faith in life because you chose to. You chose to build your faith greater. And then sometimes we, we walk through things that, that we can't even realize why we would have to go through them, but they are faith builders, amen? Sometimes we have relationships in our life that are faith builders, amen? Those people that you know you love, but you wouldn't go on vacation with, you know, those people that you call family, but you don't want to be around, but every anniversary and, you know, you know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm getting too real for you. Don't look, just look straight ahead. Don't let nobody see because that, that member might be sitting next to you. <laughs> it might be your husband or your wife sometimes. You're just like, oh, you're really being a faith builder today. I, I'm just getting a lot of faith because I'm having to endure this trial <laughs> of putting up with you all day long. Sometimes we grow through obstacles, Amen. Sometimes the obstacles are sitting right next to us. Things that God does for us is really powerful. And so we have to realize that he fixed what was broken. Then he cleaned up the mess. Through baptism, he remitted sins. And through the infilling of the Holy Ghost, he gave us new life so that we would not have the, the sense to go back, that we would have the power over that sin, that what was broken was fixed. What was then broken was cleaned up. And then he gives us the strength to never go back again through the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good that God didn't just say, I'll fix it, but there's still all this damage. He comes and he fixes us and then he deals with the damage. I love him for that. Amen. I know I know it may seem like I'm kind of teaching a little bit today, but that's okay. I want to spend a little bit of time dealing with this passage of scripture and I want you to go with me there if you would back to our text, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16 that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory. I'm grateful he's richer than I am. Amen. Grateful that whenever I don't know how to get there, he has all the provisions for me. I don't think we understand truly the resource of God, but I, I won't go there today. But this is the part that I want to focus on for somebody in this room that I feel God's leading me to. This word just jumps off at me. To be strengthened with his might by his spirit. Everyone see the capital S there? That's referring to the spirit of God. The King James Version that I'm reading uses a capital S when you get to spirit to refer to God's power of his spirit. It's literally the, the, the spirit of God in, in the inner man. But I want you to notice that God strengthens the inner man first. I want you to see that, that God strengthens the inner man first before he strengthens our flesh. He literally speaks to our spirit and then has it process out to our flesh. That's really important because sometimes God will speak things to you that you'll hear and you'll believe God for, but you haven't seen it yet. Amen? That's why you can go through sickness and depression and, and addiction and lack and struggle and family struggles. And you can say, why in the world am I having this shipwreck relationship and what is going on? And, and I tell you that if you will just trust God, he will plant into your spirit everything that you need to make that struggle come to a good thing for you. So we see that he works in the inner man. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love, that ye may be rooted and grounded in love. 
you may be that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. I want to deal with that right now because I, I that's where I want to stop today. I want to just truncate this whole sermon and just deal with this, and and I believe that God is going to help us. There's something that happens before you can get to depth. You really need to deal with the width of God's love, and you really need to deal with the length of God's love. Okay, and and before you can ever go deeper with God. You have to be able to understand that you have to know the the width of God's love. If you can't love your brother or your sister, how can you love God and say you're going to go deeper with him in faith? If James or 1 John talks about it, I believe, where it says, how can man say that I love God if he cannot love his brother? Do you see what I'm saying? So if you have... If you have any kind of prejudice or you have any kind of thing that keeps you from loving somebody else, you need to work on that in your life. Because in order for you to understand God's depth of love, you have to understand the width of God's love. And then the next thing that we see here is the length of God's love. The length of God's love literally is the understanding of the historicity of God's love. The, the way that God's love has found you, brought you, kept you, and designed you for where you are right now. That he, when he spoke with Abraham and he said, I'm going to make your children as the sands of the sea, and I'm going to make them as the stars of the sky, that he literally, in history, set up points, checkpoints, where you would be found in the faith of God, where you would be found in your life to be a Christian, and where God would literally put in your life checkpoints where he needed you to go through those checkpoints in order for you to be built to be what you are today. I like to be called a Christian, amen? But I needed everything that was in my past to be as good and to be where I am right now. Whether I feel good or whether I don't feel good, whether I feel like God's with me at this moment or he's not, I know he's with me because he'll never leave me and he'll never forsake me. But I'm telling you that all throughout time when God said, I make a promise to Abraham, he looked all the way through time and he saw Seth Calhoun and he knew what faith Seth Calhoun would need to walk with. He knew what we would need for the battles and the struggles. He knew exactly what, he saw that whole picture and that is the longevity of God's love, that he was working on your life generously before you got, oh, do you understand what I'm saying right now? The width of God's love is that we learn how to love our brothers and our sisters and treat our neighbor as ourselves. but the, the length of God's love is that we don't just sit here on a Sunday morning going, well, it's pretty good, it's pretty nice outside, I'm glad church is feeling good, and we felt God's presence. You are here because God designed thousands of years ago for you to be here right now. His length of his love reached so far that it reached all the way back into your history and your family. And he's designed not only the past, but he's designed your future. His love is already set up. The checkpoints for you are already set up all the way through your life to the point where you step through sod and you find God in a truly a truly eternal relationship. I don't know where you've been or what you've been through, but I promise you this. However hard it's been, God gave you faith for that. Amen. God put in you the ability to get through it because it came to pass. Amen? Take yourself. Sometimes we, we take ourselves so seriously when we shouldn't. Um, and preachers do this all the time. They get so serious, and they're like trying to take things too seriously. Really, really, the, the, the communication that you have and the way that you speak is either going to take you out or it's going to take you in. The way that you talk about things, the way that you refer to things. And, and if, if God is going to help you, he's going to put into your spirit something that you have to somehow search for. 
You have to seek after it. And you, you just have to say, I don't know how it's going to work, but God's going to do it. Jeremiah 20 and 9, it was where Jeremiah was dealing with a very difficult situation, but he said, I, I can't let go of God because it's like, it's, it's like fire shut up in my bones. And then I said, I will not, I can't hardly see that. I will not make mention of him nor speak any more of his name. I, I wasn't going to talk about God anymore because I felt like I wasn't doing a very good job. I, I just felt so down and so out. And, and I just thought, you know what? I wouldn't be a good representation of a Christian. So I just decided, being Jeremiah, that I, I was just going to shut my mouth and I'm just going to let life happen in front of me. And, I, and I'm not going to talk about my faith and I'm not going to talk about God because it sure seems like all the things that I'm dealing with aren't very faithful. Uh, doesn't seem like God's very faithful. I mean, what about all this stuff going on in the world right now? What about what about things happening? Well, just be glad you're not in some places because it's very hot right now. Okay, just be had just be glad that you're having a great day. But he said, "What about?" I just don't know if I want to talk about it anymore. And there's people that ask me questions like, if there's if there really is a God, why is there so much hunger in the world? And if there really is a God, you know, why why do people why are people so mean and greedy? And and I'm like. Greedy and hunger go together. It's that's the fix. There's so many people, and I flew into Florida this weekend, and we're flying into Tampa, and we're flying over the water, and I see these huge yachts, these boats that are just insane. And I'm like, if you sold one of those, you could feed an entire village. Just one would give them water. You know, so the greed, yes, is in man. It's it's our problem. We're the ones in North America alone. You could probably feed the world with the money that's in North America because people don't just have one house. Some people have a house here and a house in Aspen and a, and a house on the West Coast and they have three boats, one in, the, one in Florida and one in, on a lake in Aspen and one over in California. There's so much greed in the world. If we just removed the greed out of the world, we would feed the world. See what I'm saying? So you have to understand, this is not a God problem. This is a human problem. This is our problem. So sometimes when we look at the problems of this world, we think God's not working, but really, it's not a God problem. It's a faith problem. It's a greed problem. It's a human being problem. We've found the problem. The problem is us. Amen? That is the issue. So Jeremiah was looking at the wrong thing. He's like, I don't even know if I'm going to be good enough to do this. I don't know how, I'm just kind of imagining, okay, that this is what's going on. So he decided he wasn't even going to mention him, nor speak any more of his name. How can you not speak of the name of God? How can you not speak of the name of Jesus? It's powerful. But he said, I'm just not going to do it. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. In other words, he said, I wasn't going to do it anymore. I was going to give up and stop and never talk about God again. But there was a fire burning inside of me that wouldn't let me do that. Have you ever heard of that before? Have you ever experienced that? My, uh, let me tell you a story, okay? I'll slow down. I'm trying to get done. I'm getting excited because I do that. My sister fell away from God for a while, and she would go to parties. And she would start to get, you know, get drunk. And someone would bring up God and she'd start witnessing <laughs> because it was still in her, even though she was living away from God, far from God at the moment. She would start witnessing and she'd start telling people, you need to get back to God and you need to believe. And she's like slurring her words because she's had too much to drink. But she's there was a fire still shut up inside of her. There was something going on in here that no matter how much she drank, it still came out when someone asked about God because it doesn't go away even if you want to try to stop and you want to try to say I'm not going to serve God 
God in this way anymore. Somebody will bring God to a breakfast table in front of you and you can see they're hurting and you can see they're struggling and something will well up inside of you and say, I need to talk to them about Jesus. I need to tell them about the Lord because their, their struggles are not bigger than my Savior. He's brought me, and all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, I'm talking about him again. I got a fire burning in me again. It doesn't matter if you think that you can do it okay. It doesn't matter if you think that you're strong enough to live for God. You really have to understand that it's not how strong you are and it's not how great you are and holding on. Hear me carefully right now because this is what I came to say in this pulpit. It is not how good you are at holding on to God with your faith. It's all about how good he is at holding on to you by the power and the strength of his spirit. You have to realize that you have lived your entire life, some of us. I know me too because I've had checkpoints in my life and my walk and the longevity of God's love where I realized that I was living for God according to how good I could live for God. But I had to turn around and understand that at the moments of my weakness, in the moments of my great failure, God was still holding on to me even when I couldn't hold on to him. Even when I was like Jeremiah and said, I'm not going to do it anymore. I give up. I, I, can't, I can't possibly hold on to my faith anymore. In this difficult situation, all of a sudden something starts burning inside of me and I realize it's God holding on to me when I no longer can keep my grip on him. Oh my goodness, I hope I'm not just yelling at you today, but I'm telling you and helping you in some way. You have maybe possibly had things that God's planted in you so that he could hold on to you in the longevity of his love that you couldn't possibly understand till you walk through some things and you go through some struggles and you realize God has been there holding me when I had let go. Because I just couldn't do it anymore. And I decided I wasn't going to speak his name. And I wasn't going to talk about him anymore. But there's something that just started burning in me. And it was like a fire. That's what Jeremiah is dealing with there. Does that, does that touch anybody today? Did I hit anybody's heart with that? I, I don't know about you, but there's some things that come out of us when we have complications. Amen? But we didn't even know we were there. I grew up in Alaska. Man, I'm not going to get through this sermon. I'm sorry. I'm only apologizing because I know what's down here, and I really want to get to that, but the time is not going to let. Maybe I'll finish this later. But um, when I lived in Alaska, we were hunting for bear, and we flew in, kind of trimmed the trees in, landed on this gravel-worn way, and we parked the plane, got out, and then they left us there. They flew out. And left us there. So we were there for a week. I was walking down to the river and I came in contact with a bear that was very territorial. This bear turned and started running toward me. And I've never run so fast in my life. I climbed a tree faster than any time I've ever climbed a tree before. I found out I have skills. You know, they say white man can't jump. This was definitely a very, a very revealing moment that I could jump. I think I'd probably cleared seven foot <laughs> for the first jump. <laughs> I was so scared. I remember my heart beating out of my chest because this thing was running at me. And so I found the nearest big tree and I started scampering up that tree as fast as I could. The bear was just like flexing its, its, you know, its property. It wanted to just show me that, hey, this is mine. So it only ran after me a little ways and then it stopped and turned around and went back to the river. But I didn't stop. I kept climbing that tree. <laughs> so... I wouldn't have known that I'm a good climber until I ran into that bear. <laughs> 
And then after that, I began to run mountains. It's kind of funny, but I found out I'm a good climber. I wouldn't have known that. How many things, I don't know, I'm just trying to apply this, but how many things are in our life that we wouldn't have known had we not been challenged in a way that maybe scared us half to death? And got us out of our comfort zones. We were talking about that yesterday, just how God gets us out of our comfort zone. And sometimes he gives us things that are just too big for us and he overwhelms us with them. You don't have faith. You don't know what faith in God is until you've been challenged by something that you feel like you're out of control with. I felt completely out of control. I felt like that thing was going to have me for lunch. And I, I didn't even know if that tree was going to work. I didn't, I didn't believe that that tree was going to keep me safe, but it was the only tree close to me, so I climbed it. But God's not like that. He equips us and he empowers us and he anoints us with something that works. Amen? So if we trust God that even though we're overwhelmed, he will deal with the stuff that we can't handle. We do what we can and he does the rest. Amen? We roll away the stone, he raises Lazarus. See, you know, he, we do what we can. It's important that we understand that because some of us will stop living and doing what we feel is the best thing for our lives with God because we feel like it's not good enough. And it never was about that with God. It was always about you do as much as you can do, Betty, and he will come around you and do the rest that you could not do. And until you find that place of surrender, you're never going to go deeper in faith. It's really true. Scripture talks about different places where people waded into water up to their ankles. I think it's, I'm not, I'm not wanting to deal with all of it because I don't have time, but let me just share a story with you. I'll do that. Let's jump over the story. This five-year-old boy snuck on a stage. Maybe you've heard this story. He snuck on a stage because at home he had a piano in the living room and he would play chopsticks. And they went to this, they got freak, they were poor. They didn't have a lot of money. Piano wasn't tuned at home. But they got free tickets to go to this huge concert with this orchestra and this Italian pianist that was amazing. He was just phenomenal. And so they had tickets and this, he took his little, the man took his little four, five-year-old boy and they went into the place and as he was looking around at the amphitheater, he was like, wow, this is amazing. Look at the band shell and all the beautiful things and look at all these amazing seats and people come to this all the time and get to hear this. And he didn't realize, but his little boy had snuck away from him because his boy saw the grand piano up on the stage and he's like, oh, that looks fun. I'll go play that. So he snuck up on stage um, because he saw it. And now, actually, he saw it from the side. I'm trying to share with you the story. But he saw it from the side as they were coming in. So he snuck up around onto the stage. And he was back there playing chopsticks behind the curtains. And he didn't realize what was going on, that, that the whole theater was filling full of people. And so all of a sudden, the curtain opens. And there's this little five-year-old boy sitting at this concert pianist's piano playing chopsticks. Just a simple little song. And everyone begins to laugh. And the boy, just absorbed in playing chopsticks, starts to realize that I'm not alone here. And he looks up and sees all the people in the amphitheater watching him. And he's like almost frozen. Like, what, what did I just do? <laughs> but he keeps playing. And right about the time he's going to run out of fear off the stage, he feels some arms reach around him. And the virtuoso leans over and says, keep playing. 
And he adds in with the same cadence and with the same key, a, a, a Beethoven piece that was used in their concert. And he begins to fill in all around him, all of the other stuff that the boy could never play. He didn't have the skill, but the key piano, the pianist could play all of those different things. And this, this Italian virtuoso begins to play chopsticks like it's never been heard before. And everyone who was laughing at the boy in the audience at first now is in awe of what is going on on the stage because they've never seen anything like it. And the boy is just as happy as can be. He's like, check this out. (laughs) I've got this part. He's got all of that. That's what it's like with God. If we just keep doing our part, he'll step and reach around you with arms that can do things you never even imagined. You have to understand me when I tell you that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. And if you just keep doing what you can do, you just keep playing those chopsticks, he'll reach around you and he'll say, keep playing. And he'll fill in all the stuff that you couldn't possibly fix on your own, that you couldn't possibly do by yourself he'll do it all and so as he was doing and playing that song as they sang and they they did chopsticks together all of a sudden he looked over at the conductor and he gave the head nod and the conductor tapped his tapped his little whatever they call that thing (laughs) his little baton on the thing and he reached up over to the woodwinds and he brought the woodwinds in and then all of a sudden he brought the percussion in and then he brought the whole symf- the brass in and then he brought the whole symphony into where there was now over 500 people playing to this little boy's chopsticks it is a true story and i tell you what people in the audience thought that was the best concert they had ever been at it was something they had never witnessed before and i promise you as i close this message that if you give god your chopsticks that he will make your life something that when people witness it Oh my goodness, when people witness your life, they will look at you and go, I would have laughed at that at first, but now I am in awe of what God has done with their life. Would you stand with me today? If you want that, I'm asking for God to help us, to move us from a point where we just think it's just our little thing that we're doing. It's just something that's small and average, but I'm asking God today to take us from the above or from the average to the above average. I'm asking him to take us from the natural to the supernatural. And so whenever we look at the time, we know it's time to quit, but um, I just wanted to share with you that whenever you get to the length of God, you understand, but when you get to the height of God, you realize that he can take you higher than anything you can do if you just keep doing your part while his love does all of his part. And then the depth I finish with this, the depth of God's love. Some people are ankle-deep Christians. I was getting to that earlier. Those are people that just kind of splash around in God's presence. These are usually people that are new to God. They just got saved, and they're just frolicking in God's presence. They just love God so much. And sometimes some of us who are in deeper with God, we realize, have you ever walked through water up to your waist? Do you know how hard that is to do? The deeper you get with God, sometimes the harder it is to move with Him. And you can look back and look at people that just came to God and they're just having a great time. And they're in ankle-deep water. It's easy to move. It's easy to rejoice. But when you're walking waist-deep or you get chest-deep, it takes a lot of work to move deeper with God. It takes a lot of work to take the next step. But He can do what you can't do. So today... 
as I close this message, I want to tell you that it's my desire for you that you go deeper. And it's not easy to go deeper in faith. But it's my desire for you to go deeper. Because until you literally get to the point where your toes can't touch anymore in God, and you release all of your senses, our, our comfort is in our five senses, amen? If we can taste it or feel it or know we're safe. But in God, He wants you to just let go and begin to swim in Him. Last thing, in, in Alaska growing up, I swam in a lot of rivers. But there's two things you have to know when you swim in a river. You don't move in the water. The water moves you. When you let go of the place where your feet are grounded, you are literally swimming as the river takes you. And that's what God wants for us. God wants us to literally let ourselves go in Him to where the river of God travels and takes us where he wants us to go. Not where we swim, where we think God wants us to be. But we literally surrender in over our heads with God. And we swim with him. God, I'm asking you today, if you would take this message and remind somebody this week of the width of God. Maybe they have someone they need to deal with and maybe they have a relationship that's been struggling and Lord, it's hard to call you our God and hard to say that we love you if we can't love somebody we see. Lord, I'm asking you to help us fix and understand the width of your love. That I'm also asking you to help us to realize how long you've been working in our life, how much you've loved us for so long, the historicity of your love. And then would you remind us this week just keep doing what we know to do and you will step in and take us to heights of your love that have never been seen before in our life and would you take us deeper the greatest thing we could have is to be overwhelmed by you and have you guide our lives have you direct our lives God we release ourselves to the river of your spirit Would you lift one hand? I I don't care how you do it, but would you lift one hand and just release yourself to God right now? I want you to take off all binds and all fetters. Would you just release yourself to God in this room? It's a choice that we make. It's a mental choice that we make that I'm going to step into the river and I'm not going to hang on to the shore. I, I release myself in faith right now. I go deeper in you, Jesus. And God, I pray that release brings forth some kind of a resonance in our life that we know that you're guiding. Lord God, show us in some way. Give us a sign if you would. I I don't always ask for that, but today I ask. Give us something that lets us know you're guiding us on the right path. You're directing us in the right way. Would you just help us to know that we're making the right decision? That we're going into this surgery knowing that it's the right decision, God. That we're going into this situation knowing that God wants to mend a relationship. We ask you in the name of Jesus Christ. This is a faith day. This is a, this is a mental dedication day. This is a day where 
we make a choice in our mind to put faith in God. I ask you to repair any broken faith, Jesus. I ask you to shore up anyone who is unsure. In Jesus' name. Everyone just say that with me. In Jesus' name. Say it again. In Jesus' name. Let's do it and believe that his name is all sufficient. In Jesus' name. Let's do it together and believe that he's covering us. In Jesus' name.